0: Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas,
1: the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, tending country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're we're going to learn how to create an extraordinary life for a person after the age of 50. So stay to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, August the 12th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keele at Town Square Media Station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded and is not live, and and we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the August issue, The Best of Times, at one of our 270 distribution locations. We thank you for the compliments that we receive from you about our magazine and our radio show. We do appreciate hearing them from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy of one of our issues at our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. In addition, You can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour, and you can view and download the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Great news, our friends at Ernest Arlene's has brought back the Best of Times special dinner each and every Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at a highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special dinner of the Best of Times that you make advance reservations by calling 318 318- 226 1325. Again, 318 226 1325. We'll be right back with more information. But now, a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio so possible. Pelly presented by AERP Louisiana and A Bears,
0: Standing Country History Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Key. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented
1: by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest, is Coach Michael Taylor, who is an author, motivational speaker, and also a radio and TV host. And I've asked Michael to share his thoughts found in his book entitled, I'm Not Okay with Gray, How to Create an Extraordinary Life After the Age of 50. So thank you, Michael, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour.
2: Well, Gary, I'm really glad to join you in the show. Thank you for the opportunity to share some positive news about growing older.
1: That's the important thing, positive news. What a, you know, at any age, I'm 73, but I, I read this book, Everyone, and I highly recommend it. found it very positive, uplifting, and, you know those of you that are in the the younger stages or you know in the 40s and 50s it's definitely an interesting book to read and it definitely gives you some insights and and I love his his first terminology because I didn't at 50 I did, I wasn't feeling like you know I'm getting a little gray hair at 50 uh and and I'm not okay with that I'm going to keep moving on I'm not going to just wind down right is that
2: yeah, interesting, interestingly enough, the title has actually absolutely nothing to do with hair color, but how, <laughs> how it came about, it, a, a friend of mine was teasing me because I do dye my, I have a goatee, and I do dye my goatee, uh-huh. and he said, so, so why do you do that, and I said, well, I'm just not okay with gray, and as soon as I said it, uh-huh. I pulled out my phone, I made a little notation, but I said, that's a great title for a book, oh. And so, and so I started thinking about it, and Really it's really about not accepting what society says it means to do you know to to get older what it means to get older and right. It's almost like in our society we demonize aging as That's... as you know we 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 talk about the declination of our mental facilities and things like that, but the reality is I believe. We can make the second half of our lives better than the first, and it's really about mindset and that's really what I try to do is get people to change their mindsets about aging
1: that's that's important so that was mainly the purpose of your book and and what i I will tell you you know likewise about about getting gray i mean i- I started getting gray and Around 50s or so, as I said, but I decided, even though I'm Greek and I should be using the Grecian formula to to do (laughs) do, do my hair, and I did have a beard back then that had a little bit of gray in it, but my wife said, I like the gray, makes you look more distinguished, so even until today, I still have, you know, uh, Great, not totally gray, but you know, gray and black hair, and she does not want me to use the fabulous Grecian formulas stuff to put on my, my <laughs> hair. And my hairdresser says, "No, you should, Gary. You'll look twenty years younger." I said, "I don't want to look twenty years younger. I'm, I'm looking okay." So, so let's move on. So, you've been collecting thoughts and advice for many years, and that's why how you 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 came up with
2: this particular book.
1: Yeah, well,
2: if if I can go back a little bit, Gary, go ahead. when I was twenty three, when I was twenty three years old. I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids and all of that. By society standards, I was pretty successful. And within about a a six-and-a-half-year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare. As I went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression. I was actually homeless for two years living out of my car. And so after all those adversities, I had a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed looking across the room at my bookshelf when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money. (laughs) And, and, And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head. Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? And in asking myself that question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money. I started reading books on psychology and philosophy and spirituality. And I went on what I'll call my journey of transformation. And as a result of that journey, I was able to rebuild my life. And then I decided to share the lessons that I learned along the way with others, and that's why I became a writer.
1: Well, it's that was a remarkable story. It's true to course, and everyone he he gives you in his book very didactic suggestions on way to implement certain. We're going to talk about a few of them. Uh, one of it, you start off saying, "Don't embrace a middle life crisis." Tell our listeners why why do you tell people about that? Well,
2: well, first of all, as mentioned, I talk a lot about mindset and. If you look at it technically, midlife actually starts at around 39 to 40, because the average age is about 78 to 80 years old, depending on who you talk to. And so we start having these conversations around 30 or so about, okay, so what's the meaning of life? What What does it all mean? And so too many times we listen to what society says we're supposed to do to be happy, and so we have this thing called a midlife crisis, and, and most of us may recognize it when we see maybe you know some older guy you know divorcing his wife, having an affair, finding a younger woman, maybe buying a Corvette. You know, so we have all these ideas of what it means to be to be youthful, but we we miss out on the opportunity just to understand that getting older is a really good thing. But this midlife crisis is really a, I believe a midlife crisis occurs when we don't understand or recognize that we each have a divine purpose in life. And it is our responsibility to figure out what our purpose is. And when we do, we realize that it's not about age. It's just about determining or learning who we really are. And so it's what I call an inner journey. It's a process of understanding who we are as human beings. And when we start doing this, what I'll call inner work, this inner work is about healing. It's about transforming ourselves from the inside out, and so that's how you avoid a midlife crisis is by discovering who you really are.
1: And and the other thing I th- I think you mentioned in, in your book that uh, uh, it's like a roller coaster, right? It goes up and down. You're going to be you're going to be drifting and dreaming and and coming up with ideas, and sometimes you're going to get that wake up call to, to to implement, correct?
2: Yeah, that roller coaster is just a metaphor for society. Because what happens is we get trapped on this roller coaster and we don't even know we're stuck on it. For example, when I got married the first time, I was doing everything society said I was supposed to do to be happy. So I was stuck on that roller coaster.
0: I thought that if I was
2: married, if I had the great job, you know, took the vacations and all of that, then I'd be happy. Well once again, once I learned that this cultural conditioning is what we don't realize, if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, it really, it really speaks to this idea that we're, we're trapped in these this ideas that society has perpetuated on us, and we have to be willing to wake up. We have to be willing to jump off that roller coaster if we truly want to be happy, and that's what the book is about. It's about giving people the tools to jump off of the societal roller coaster to discover who they really are.
1: Wow, and that, that to me, I, I caught that. I caught that many times in your in your particular book. And, you know, it's, people tend to wait and procrastinate on that, right? And it hurts them. It gets them in more crisis. Gets them more ill health, and it leads to other major problems, right?
2: Sure. And again, the, the challenge is we live in a culture and a society that's taught us to always focus on things outside of ourselves. For example. We think about the house. We think about the job, the career, the bank accounts, those external things. But the truth is, it isn't until we go within. And there's a saying that I absolutely love that goes, if you don't go within, you'll always go without. And so going within simply means we take the time to really understand who we are as human beings, and that's kind of the message.
1: Yeah, and and you also, in your... In in this chapter, it says embrace who you are. Right? You you go, you spend a lot of time on that particular subject.
2: Yeah, and and this is again twenty five year journey. I'm still learning, but what I've come to understand and believe is that most of us believe that we are these this flesh and bone that we see when we look in the mirror. We think as a human being, I'm this is me, and we identify with the labels society has given us. But I believe if we're willing to go a little bit deeper, we're actually not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're actually spiritual beings having a human experience. And I believe that every religion actually teaches us how to access our spiritual nature. Now, whatever religion you choose to follow, I still say it will say one simple thing. There is something in you that is divine, and you can call it whatever you want to call it. I like to call it divine intelligence. I like to think of it as there's this divine intelligence that created and is still creating this amazing universe we live in. And so it is our responsibility to figure out how to connect to this intelligence, because it is this intelligence that guides us. And so we we live in a culture that says, you know, intuition is for women. And not men, but men, are just, men can be just as intuitive as women because that intuition is really our connection to that divine intelligence that I just mentioned.
1: Right. What, what another thing that you bring up in your book, which I think a lot of people, uh, it's detrimental to them, is is make peace with your past, with your past experiences, your past failures, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That you should do. Well, you should do that. Right.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a really important piece, because there's a term called spiritual bypassing, and this is something that I actually did. Spiritual bypassing means we look to religion, and we use it to justify all of our actions and behaviors, and so for some of us who may be Christian, we may believe that, you know, we're sinners or whatever these, these titles, but what happens is we don't identify and recognize what it means to be human. And what it means to be human is to be in touch with your primary emotions. And so, from my experience, I had possibly the worst childhood a person could have—every imaginable type of abuse. Again, I was born in an inner-city project, a Corpus Christi, Texas, to a single mom with six kids, and we were basically the poster children for poverty. Mm-hmm. And so, I've had all these adversities, but it wasn't until I gained the courage. To go to therapy to look at how my traumatic childhood was still impacting my life as an adult. Now we all have different levels of trauma but what we have to understand is that we must be willing to identify and heal that trauma if we had really traumatic childhoods. because if we don't it will impact our lives as adults. And for example, I had always been pretty successful And it wasn't until I started doing this work that I figured out why I had been successful up to that point. And what was really driving my behavior, Gary, was a sense of shame. Hmm. I had this deep sense of shame in me. And so what I did was, by being successful, it made me feel better about myself, even though internally I felt like something was wrong with me. I felt like I was unlovable that, you know, people wouldn't like me, so what did I do? I became very successful, so people would like me. And so <laughs> those, are the types of, those are some of the defense mechanisms that we create when we have traumatic childhood experiences, and they become coping mechanisms. But if we don't do our healing work, those coping mechanisms are really draining. Hmm. And it's what drives, I think, a lot of addictions and a lot of negative behavior, because we don't understand that what's going on inside of us. Is that 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 pain, that trauma, that needs to be healed, and it isn't until we heal that that we can really fully experience
1: life. Your your book also goes into great detail. I don't know if we have lots of time to do it, but you make this statement and you provide a lot of details. It says you are what you are is not necessarily who you are. Right? Yeah,
2: that that Absolutely. was
1: fascinating me about that, and that's you know a lot of people don't think about that.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because my wife and I were having a conversation with some friends, and um, my friend was saying something about my wife and some of the things that she does, and and she asked me, why do we get along so well? And I said, well, you got to understand, I can make the distinction between what she does and who she is. And so some of the things she does may irritate the heck out of me. But that's just what she does. That's not who she is. Who she is is this loving, caring person that I absolutely love and adore. So with that understanding, when she does the things that irritate me, I don't have to get triggered and have negative reactions because I can understand (laughs) that I I don't like maybe what you just did, but I know who you are. And I love you for that, not what you do.
1: Wow. The other other quote, I can't remember if you took this quote or or got it from someone. It you said, whatever the mind can conceive, you can achieve if you really believe. That's that was remarkable.
2: And when when I was thirteen, when I was thirteen years old, thirteen, my grandfather told me to read a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill which I'm sure you've heard of the book, Make and Grow Rich. Well, that's where that that quote comes from. And it is something that I have always believed, and there's some scientific data that kind of supports that idea. And so I talk a little bit about that without getting too in your head about it, but that's a really powerful statement because if you happen to be Christian, you may notice, that the prerequisite for creating miracles, Jesus said, was to simply believe they yeah, were possible. Yes,
1: that's true.
2: That was the, that was the basic that was his basic prerequisite to creating miracles: to believe. And so, the power of belief is extremely important to understand because what you believe, you create.
1: All right. Well, in conclusion, yeah. you you mentioned in your book the key. Points about avoiding mid midlife crisis, and one of the one was discovered who and what you truly are. Figure out how to express your unique gifts and talents to the world. I thought that was good. A lot of people sometimes don't know that they they have all these wonderful gifts and talents and experience, and and sometimes don't share it and don't don't
2: uh, use them. Is that true? Absolutely. And again, it took my divorce and a lot of adversity to the realization understanding that I have some unique gifts and talent. For example, if I had not gone through my divorce and all of that, I would have never discovered my gift of writing. I would have never discovered my gift of, of speaking and communicating. And so I believe that every adversity brings us a gift and a lesson if we're willing to look deeply enough into it. And so for me, as I look back to my, after my divorce, which was one of the most painful experiences of my life, As I look back in retrospect, I can see that it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. Because what it did was it challenged me to discover my unique gifts and talents. And in doing so, in discovering those, and then taking those gifts and talents to support others is how I define my my unique purpose in life. Mm. Your, Your purpose in life will be found at the intersection of that which you love to do, and that which helps make the world a better place. So when you can combine those two, you have found your unique purpose.
1: One of the Let's hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Eberstein and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge,
0: Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. <coughs> Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keele. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Key. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP
1: Louisiana and e country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest, is Coach Michael Taylor, who is an author, motivational speaker, radio and TV host. And I've asked Michael to share his thoughts found in his book entitled I'm Not Okay With Gray, How to Create an Extraordinary Life After the Age of 50. So thank you, Michael, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour.
2: Once again, Gary, I am so excited to be here, and I love the title of your show. The thank best you. Of
1: <laughs> we try to make it the best of times by promoting uh celebrating age and maturity each and every day from whether they're 45 to they're 100, 105 so we want, we want every time is the best of think of the best of times rather than the worst of times right but uh, my dad always was an optimist he came from the old country and he says um, there's no such thing as a bad day a bad year it's only a bad moment in time just move on so he was there you he, go he he had that wonderful ph- philosophy of life I mean, he even uh, certain crises. You know, he was in World War II. He said, it, it, "It's it's a minor point. It's going to go get over, and it did." and uh, you know that that scenario so let's move on, his book is fascinating everyone, uh, we're going through a couple of his chapters, it, again it's a it's a very good book, you can pick it up on Amazon.com again I, I'll mention the book again, I'm Not Okay With Gray, How to Create an Extraordinary Life After the Age of 50 by author Michael Taylor and it's uh, highly recommended, I've read the book Michael Ballyway twice and I've underlined things and taken notes today for, for, our, for our interview I thought one chapter, which I learned a little bit, even though I've been in, in, uh, a Christian, I'm a Greek Orthodox uh, uh, Christian person for many years, uh, uh, your chapter on embracing spirituality was quite interesting. And I, I, I learned a lot, and I've been researching a lot based upon some of your your comments. And his main premise in there is how he asked the individual reader is, right, how do you see God, right? is that that yeah is that
2: the ending well interestingly enough gary i was i'm a former atheist and it's interesting because even as a child i was brought up baptist and i had a ton of questions about god that very few people could answer and when i went through my divorce and all of that that i mentioned earlier as i went through my healing process i rationalized in my head that i really did because all of my answers could be found in science, through psychology, through personal development. So as I was healing and growing, I asked myself, so why do I need this thing called God? And so after a couple of years, I had put my life back together. I had done a lot of emotional healing work, and there was something missing that I really couldn't put my finger on. And then I realized, you know, maybe... Maybe I just went about this the wrong way. Maybe I need to look at God from a different perspective. So what I decided to do was to just do some research and come to my own conclusions about God. So what I started doing was researching the origins of the Bible, researching, you know, the different religions around the world. And I just came to an understanding and found my truth about God, and I created what I call an intimacy and connection to God that cannot be broken. And so I think so many times we get caught up into the label, for example, Christian or whatever, the religious label, but we don't really have an intimacy and a true authentic connection. And as a matter of fact, I I, I, I grew so much, learned so much, developed such an intimacy with God, I actually wrote a book titled, What If Jesus Were a Coach? <laughs> and in that. In that book, I shared the lessons that I learned in my own research in studying the teachings of Jesus, and it's been one of my most popular books, because I think if you look at uh, society as a whole, I don't know if you recognize this, but Christianity has been declining for the last 30, 40 years, substantially. There are more people now that are claiming to be atheists than ever before, and I think people are hungry for connection not religion but connection and so i think there's a distinction to be made between being spiritual and being religious being spiritual means you have an authentic connection with something greater than yourself and i personally believe jesus came to show us how to create that connection and that's what i talk about a lot in the book
1: hmm. okay i definitely want to I definitely will check out that book as well one of your other chapters, is, which you go into quite detail is embracing connection." Uh, you, you, you make one comment, "Self-love is the key to creating great relationships." And you also give out our list, uh, the readers 10 keys to creating healthy relationships. Wow. And some of them are pretty good, and some of them I've heard of before, and some of them I've never heard before. So uh, I highly rec- I highly recommend it. You can talk about a few of them. i probably don't have enough time to talk about all those. But
2: uh, uh, Well, I, I, will share, I, I will share probably the greatest lesson I learned about relationships, Gary. This was this. After my divorce, I was really struggling with relationships because my relationships had a, a pattern. I would date a girl for three to four weeks, And they would all say the same thing. I care too much about you to stay in this relationship. (laughs) And they said this as they were leaving. Ah. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. How can you care about somebody and leave them? But this is what they all said. This is what they all had in common. They Hmm. all said, I'm leaving because you're emotionally unavailable. Wow. Now, at the time, I had no idea what that meant. I was clueless. But now, after all the growth and the work that I've done, what I recognize is we all long for connection. In order to have connection, you must be connected to your emotions. And this is really difficult for men, because in our society, we're conditioned to believe that feelings are for women. (laughs) And so men, men at an early age start disconnecting from how they feel. And so you can't be relational if you're unwilling to be emotional. And so what I had to learn to do was to be emotional, to learn how to be vulnerable, to be okay with expressing how I felt. And that is the reason why I've been blissfully married for the past 23 years. Awesome. Because I learned, I did my healing work, I removed all the barriers that were keeping me from being loved, and in order to create a great relationship, it began with self-love.
1: Right. Well, the the other thing i'll tell listeners in his book he discusses the uh ground rules that he had and he shared with his <laughs> dates which i thought was quite interesting i don't think i remember doing that when i was dating back uh 49 years ago i've been married 49 years to my lovely lovely wife but 49 years ago i i, I don't remember having too many ground rules i dated a lot of a lot of great ladies and uh and women and uh, But I thought that his chapter about that is, is quite fascinating, so I thought you're, it's a great read. But he gives some and, interesting...
2: And Gary, Gary if, I, if I could ask this, though, I think that's a really important point, because each of us should have three to five what I call non-negotiables. There are some things that we feel very strongly about that we shouldn't compromise. And so whenever we're going to get into a relationship, we want to make sure that we attract someone or, or get in a relationship with someone that doesn't break those non-negotiables. For example, I personally would never date someone who smoked. That's just a personal preference of mine. It was non-negotiable. So whenever I would go on a first date, I would ask up front, look, do you smoke? Because that's it's non-negotiable for me. And so, again, you don't have to have this long... A laundry list of things. But there are certain things that you feel really strongly about that you shouldn't compromise. And and I think you need to to know that up front.
1: And uh, a lot of his points, uh, I love it. It says, um, say, I love you and mean it, right?
2: Yeah.
1: A lot of people just say the phrase, but really, really don't mean
2: it. Yep. You got to have, you got to have the feeling behind it. Now, Here's, here's, a, here's an interesting equation for the, the listeners to think about. If you want to create true connection in your relationship, you remember this: A plus A plus A equals C. Okay, <laughs> here we go. First a, appreciation.-hmm, okay second uh, uh, second A is affection. Third A is attention. So, appreciation, affection, and attention, those three A's equal connection. Good
0: point. Yes.
2: When we learn to appreciate, to acknowledge the person in our lives, okay, that's what creates connection. When we show affection, that's what creates connection in our lives. Too many times we don't do those things and we wonder why we, we, we don't feel connected. And that's a simple formula to think about in terms of real, your relationships. A plus A
1: plus A equals C. I love, I love it. That's a great, great <laughs> suggestion. So, uh, the other uh, aspect I thought was of your ten keys to creating great relationship, which a lot of people do not. Most couples that I, especially young couples, they always talk about their problems and they don't, as you put on your set in your listing, count your blessings. There's so many blessings yeah. been bestowed upon your your couple. The couple that newly married might be married for four or five years. D- don't overburden yourself with all the problems you've had, all the crises you've You must have had a lot of successes, right, and victories.
2: It's it's so important that we, again, and it comes back to that A plus A plus thing, is that acknowledging and and understanding that, if you think, I, I talked in the second chapter about energy, right? The whole right. universe is, in, is energetic, okay? So if you think about it in that term, energetic, we attract what we are, not what we want, okay? So when it comes to relationships, if I'm a loving, caring person, I'm likely to attract that same type of person. If, if, if I'm a person that complains and writes, it's an energy. <laughs> so I'm probably going to attract that type of person. But in our relationships, once we get in relationships, if we focus on the negative, we're going to attract more negative into our relationship. True. It's gonna create it's gonna create disconnection. What we want is connection and the way that it connected is is with positive energy, affirming energy, supporting each other, letting each other know how much you care about them, focusing on the positive, not just the negative.
1: All right. Uh, continuing on, he has many chapters in his books about embracing, but one of them is critical, especially when you when you when you tend to get that fifty and older. Um, young people tend to do it too, but I would say us is uh, embrace health and fitness. And he he mentions about uh, ten or fifteen items that uh, people in their Fifties uh, and older should definitely take care of, and one of them, which I think a lot of guys don't still don't do, even even if they're in their seventies, is get that annual checkup. They say yeah, they, and- they only want to go in when it's crisis mode, so when they're you know, beyond sick, and uh, they don't want to go get a, you know, the things that may be underlying that may be causing sickness or serious injury later on. Well,
2: I'm a I'm a firm believer that the greatest creation on the planet is a human body. Yeah. And so I believe the creator knew exactly what it was doing when he created the human body, and it is absolutely perfect. Now, the problem is most of us don't take care of our physical body. And so if we think about our body as a vehicle, right, if you have a car, if something goes wrong, you get a little light on your dashboard. <laughs> check, in- check engine, right? It says check engine. Yeah. So cars tell us when something's wrong with it. Well, the human body is the same way. It sends a signal. For example, high blood pressure. That's a check engine light. You have, if you have high blood pressure, you should be getting that checked. You should be taking care of it. If you have high cholesterol... That's another check engine life for the human body. The body is telling you there's something that needs your attention. And as you mentioned, Gary, most of us wait until something bad happens before we start looking or, or listening to those check engine lights. But my recommendation is there is no reason why we should not have annual checkups. Most people, I'm assuming, that are employed, you can go and have your annual checkup for free. Right. Maybe pay a twenty. Maybe pay a twenty dollar copay, but you can just do and figure out. Okay, so is there something that I need to look at? And if we would do that, we would prevent a lot of the tragedies in our society simply by taking care of our physical body.
1: The other, the other two that I really enjoy and I, I advocate to my when I do lectures in the area is is learn to relax in a form of meditation. I mean, it doesn't have to be really high intense meditation, but relaxing occasionally. Just, you know, take breathing, close your eyes, relax for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I think you mentioned documented studies show that relaxing and meditation does work. It makes you more productive and eliminates some, some needs for other particular items, right?
2: Well, Gary, I've been meditating for more than 30 years, and I can say that it's it's probably the best gift that I've given myself because I remember a time when I would be so stressed out with thinking, I couldn't shut my mind off. I would get these what I call thinking headaches. Some people might call them migraines, but they were really thinking headaches where I just couldn't turn my mind off. And so a lot of people have a misconception about meditation. I think that meditation is about the process of making your mind go blank and there's nothing there. <laughs> That's not possible. Meditation meditation is simply a practice of paying attention to what you're thinking about. And so the practice is meditation and the result is mindfulness. You may have heard that term oh, mindfulness. Yes. Oh, mindfulness. Yeah. mindfulness is just about being aware we are so inundated with information and
1: We'll hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now, a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and neighbor's standing Country of Shreveport, your
0: Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keele. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bear's tending country
1: of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Coach Michael Taylor, an author, motivational speaker, and a radio and TV host. I've asked Michael to share his thoughts about his book entitled, I'm Not Okay with Gray, How to Create an Extraordinary Life After 50. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today here on The Best of Times Radio Hour.
2: And I'm excited to be here. Love, love, love your message.
1: Well, I I appreciate that. The the other thing I want to tell my listeners out there who might be listening in, he has a great website. It's w coach michael taylor. That's coach altogether. No no spaces. Michael. Taylor.com in addition You can order his book from Amazon And other sources I'm sure he probably Has it on his website as well uh, Highly recommend it I have Read it twice and have learned Something every time I've read it Michael And I, I got it dog tagged And underlined and highlighted and uh, I have it on I have it on my On my desk and uh, Before our interview here I went I went over it You know skimmed through some of the topics here And I said you know that's some really really Good advice here he he goes on we're not going to be able to cover all of his chapters he goes on to uh i think 10 chapters if i recall yeah 10 chapters and the rem- each chapter is very didactic i'm really impressed the way you go into it and give helpful hints and explain why is it important uh, and he and he is mainly focuses on embracing so he has embrace financial abundance so uh and what, what I think your your story is, have enough money so you don't have to stress about it. Is that what – that was your premise of that <laughs> that chapter?
2: That's that's what financial abundance means. There's yeah. a lot of people out there promoting, you know, let's make six figures. Let's make eight figures. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on that. But to me, financial abundance means I don't stress out over money. I can do what I enjoy doing without stressing out and having a gazillion dollars of credit card debt. And again, someone who had to go through bankruptcy and foreclosure and all of that, I just have a different perception of what financial abundance means. Now, at the same time, I have some huge dreams about building my company. And yes, I do want to make a lot of money. So in no way am I implying that there's anything wrong with making a lot of money. But if it's going to stress me out, no, I don't want to make a lot of money. So I just try to put emphasis on... It's important to be financially responsible, but we have to move past this whole idea that our country promotes this idea of more, 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 more. We always want more. And sometimes maybe we don't need more. We just need to appreciate what we already have. That's
1: right. That's kinda the message.
2: That's kinda the message that i And
1: and I also i I'm sure you've heard of these individuals that may have a multi millions but never spend it, never enjoy themselves, never have any pleasures, never give it away. Uh, They just hoard the money and, and then they die and that's it. I mean they didn't enjoy their multi millions of dollars. Maybe they're hopefully they gave a will and gave it to family members and others, but uh, they didn't even enjoy. It. They stressed out on getting more and more and more. They wanted to accumulate and, and not and not make use of it.
2: Yeah, and I think Gary, a lot of that I think, comes from not recognizing our unique gifts and talents. Here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Whitney Houston. Yep. Yeah. Whitney Houston was such a gift, such a beautiful person, and she had on the outside everything. But on the inside, she was a troubled person. She didn't know, I believe, she didn't know that her voice was a gift from God. And so what happens is people accumulate all this wealth, and they don't understand, first of all, the source, which I call source God, they don't understand the source, and they don't understand that the reason they were given those gifts are to share them with the world. Not just to make money and, and to get fame, but to To have fulfillment by expressing those gifts and talents, so I'm a firm believer that yes, money cannot buy happiness. It can buy you pleasure, it can buy you pleasure, but it really can't buy you happiness. So the key is to understand, as I mentioned at the beginning, who you really are, find your unique gifts and talents, and if it includes making a lot of money, that will show up. But it may not need to have you may not need to have a lot of money to be extremely happy.
1: Right. So in one of his uh, in this book, he again, he has several chapters. I'd love to have more time. We'd have much time left in the, in the closing minutes here. I want you to elaborate a little bit on your chapter, which I found most fascinating. And you even say it's your most important chapter is the chapter on embracing joy, passion and purpose. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I when I read this, this is one of his most uh, lengthy Chapters and more detailed chapters and but I thought one of the comments you made is while doing it While doing something that you really enjoy time literally disappears. I thought that was great
2: Yeah, so there's there's three ways to know when you're doing what you really love Okay number one When you're doing it time literally disappears. For example, I love writing and I can sit in my computer for 8 to 10 hours, and I swear it feels like 10 minutes, okay? So when you're doing what you love, time disappears. Number two, when you're doing what you love, you do it without the thought of compensation. True. You You do it because you love doing it. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be compensated for it, but that's not why you do it. You do it because you love it. And then the third reason is, you do it because you, or you, because you want to share it with others. Wow. And again, I think that, that, that comes back to finding your purpose. When we find our purpose, our purpose will always be us being in service to others by sharing our gifts and talents. That's how we serve, by sharing our gifts and talents. Because, <clears throat> for example, my love of writing is something that brings me a lot of joy. And so I share that with others by writing books. My books, in a lot of cases, inspire people to find their joy, find their purpose. So now I've created this circle of service to God by doing what I love, sharing it with others, inspiring them to do the same thing.
1: And I commend you for that. I know all your followers and readers and, and other people that you've dealt with appreciate that. And more people need to consider consider this particular joy, passion, and and, and have a purpose of light. But sharing sharing those particular aspects. Again, thank you, Michael, for taking time today to be on our show. It's fascinating. Be, be sure to pick up his book, uh, and I'm Not Okay With Gray, How to Create an Extraordinary Life After the Age of 50 by Coach Michael Taylor, available on Amazon and also visit his fabulous website, com. Thank you again, Michael. Best wishes to you. Best of luck and continued success. And uh, again, I appreciate having you on my show and hopefully might have you on the show in the near future again.
2: All right, Gary. Thank you again, once again, for your incredible platform. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you a lot, sir. Have a good one. Don't don't forget to pick up your personal copy of our magazine at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day.